Sophia. Welcome to Money Bites. Hi, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. The beginning of summer. Um, Should we start off with a short intro of yourself? Yes, my name is Sophia Salazar. I am the founder of Shape Your Life Coaching. I am a life coach and a self-care advocate. I'm currently working on an info product geared towards new and pregnant moms. That's an educational platform to promote self-care. Interesting that you're starting a self-care product because the last time we talked, there were some moments in your life where you weren't able to self-care. Yes. (laughs) Let's start with the low points and we'll go to the high points. Sure. Yeah, so I uh, I think the low point of of lack of self-care um was in the beginning of um I would say sophomore year of college and getting into a lot of debt was um certainly easy for me because it was an emotional outlet. I started spending a lot of money um, and not caring about money. Mm. So this was on top of student loans. These were consumer debt, credit card debt? Yes. And I had always been really, really good with money. In fact, I was the little kid who had like four piggy banks and I used to iron my money. <laughs> I cared very, <laughs> like all the little dollar bills were just ironed very straight. And I used to care a lot about my future. I do now, but, and I always have. Um, but in college, a major event happened, a few major events. Uh, my parents divorced after 40 years of marriage. And then they lost their house. This was really close to the um, financial crisis in 2008 and their house went into foreclosure. They lost their cars. My mom went into a shelter. Um, My dad kind of went off the map for a while and things were very emotional in our family. And, and as a result, I started spending and not caring as much about my future. Could we dig a bit into that? Because mm-hmm. your childhood character um, and obviously being influenced by, by what you are seeing your parents go through, but how is that changing psychologically for you, your relationship to your money? Yeah, so my parents had been semi-responsible, I think, for the most part, pretty um, responsible about money my they modeled responsibility well when I was early helping me create the piggy banks helping me um, when I was like 10 open a savings account at our local bank um, they my mom had a checking account and she used to balance her checkbook you know every so often and I would help her 
And so there were conversations about money, like money that wasn't like a hush hush topic, but there were also a lot of arguments about money between my parents. My mom was in charge of the money and my dad um, wasn't. And I found out later as an adult, it was because he had a bad gambling habit. In fact, he gambled about $30,000 of our parents, my parents' home equity away when I was a teenager. And I remember when I found that out, I was so angry because my mom said that they had intended to use that to pay for college. And so um, for my college, and I think there were little moments of that. When I was 12, he won a lot of money gambling. He won, I mean, for us, it was a lot. It was about $12,000. And he came home and we were excited because, you know, maybe it could mean a new vacation or, a, a you know, some shiny car or something like that and he showed us all the money it was all in cash in this little bank envelope and that is the last time we saw that money so as you can imagine when my parents divorced and everything kind of came crashing down um there i think my model of money kind of came crashing down too so what was your model before and what did it turn into at that moment? I think before just, uh, you know, my parents modeling, like, you know, you can be pretty responsible with money, even though you have two people who maybe aren't exactly on the same page. Like clearly my mom was pretty responsible. Um, one of the things she had opened up a credit card for me, an American express credit card, which mean they had, you know, went meant they had good credit. Um, when I was, 18. Mm. And uh, I saw that responsibility, right? Like she kept a zero balance on the car. They didn't have revolving credit like that. And one of the things, only things they had was a mortgage. Um, And so I think I saw, and because we grew up, I grew up poor. I, uh, I saw this like, okay, save your money, just be very methodical about spending, be very careful, frugal, you know, we, we, we shopped at thrift stores and um, other places, used coupons, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, this major life event happened in our family, and it tore our family apart. And I saw, um, you know, I think I just saw, like, well, why care so much? And um, I think I just channeled all of these emotions into let me just go out. And I wasn't, it's funny. I wasn't like going out and partying. I was like, just like going out and having a nice dinner, you know, and not caring and putting everything on the credit card. Mm -hmm. Um, Also because my parents lost all of that stuff, they couldn't help me a lot with school. And so I I went on a study abroad program that they couldn't really help pay for. So I put all of those expenses, six months living in Europe on a credit card. and another study abroad program that I did in Central America, you know, that I took a private student loan out for. And so I think as those things started to fall apart for them, it obviously affected me because I was still dependent on them financially. Interesting how money opens and closes opportunities. Yeah, and I remember specifically thinking at the time, particularly when I was studying abroad, 
that I didn't care how much that particular experience cost me because I knew it was going to be an experience of a lifetime. I knew I didn't want to miss out. I'd known since I was five that I wanted to to live in Europe. I, I just, there were all these things that I had planned for my life that I knew I was going to do regardless of, of whether or not my parents could help me, right? And I always assumed that they couldn't help that much just because they didn't have a lot of money. But um, I think it was harder when I found out, like, they couldn't help because of this situation that I saw at the time that they were creating for themselves and not being responsible adults in turn. When they divorced, like I said, they lost the house and their cars. Um, but that does, that wasn't necessarily um, because it, they went to court or anything like that. It was because they both, my mom couldn't afford to pay for certain things and my dad stopped caring about the house and the cars. And so he stopped making payments on his car. He took out title loan on, on one of our cars and then it got repossessed, you know, just things that he would have never done that our family would have never done in the past. Um, suddenly all these things were happening and everybody was making rash decisions, including myself. Mm. Having gone through the experience though, how much did your debt sort of get into and how long did that mental state last? Uh, it lasted for about t 10 years. Um, the debt just kept piling, right? So I came out of college with about 16,000 of student loan debt, which is pretty low for where I went to college. Um, if I would have paid out of pocket or my parents would have paid out of pocket, it would have been about $180,000 for four years. And thankfully I had a lot of scholarship and grants. So the student loan debt compared to that was very small. Um, the other thing though, is with the credit card debt with studying abroad, I got a job after college that I was able to pay off some of that debt. So that credit card debt was about at that time was about $5,000. And so I was able to pay that off pretty quickly. I actually had um, gotten married when I was 21. And so I lived, um, I lived with my then husband and, um, you know, my part, my, we lived in this really small studio apartment and our rent was really cheap. And so half of my rent was very minimal, you know, the rent that I paid. Um, so the rest of the money basically went to just food and paying off my credit card debt. And I think that was the first establishment of like, you know, you set aside a certain amount of your income to pay off your debt. And, and I wasn't making minimum payments, I was making large payments. Um, however, about um, a year and nine months later, he and I divorced. And I moved out completely, you know, on my own, had to get my own place, that sort of thing. And I put all of those moving expenses back on those cards. Um, I had three cards at that point, two of them that I had paid off. Um, and then they just racked up again once I moved. Um, and so once that debt racked up and um, I started, I... 
the the part of my life um, prior was actually not that bad compared to the part that came after that, which was just a lot of um, low points, even more low points, and not being able to work because of those low points of being very um, just down and not getting stable work and not finding stable work. And so um, I started living off of my credit card. So no longer was it like, oh, here's a nice dinner going on the credit card. It was like, um, I'm paying the electric bill with my credit card. I'm paying, uh, you know, the doctor visit with my credit card, et cetera. And that's when I really started to rack up a lot of debt very quickly at that point. So by the end of my mid twenties, um, I had about nineteen thousand in debt. I just want to pause here because in the beginning, what I was hearing was that you had been a bit rash with your spendings on credit card. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing now is it seems more that it was situational rather than you know you being nilly willy with with your spendings uh yeah could you describe that a little bit more situational so having gone through divorce yourself and you know not finding stable employment you were sort of forced to put your charges on the credit card for survival rather than it being, like you said, going on shopping sprees and going. Oh, yes. Yeah. I see your point. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that that happens to a lot of people in terms of, of debt being situational. I think what I think made it difficult was that there was already debt racked up because I had been a spender, an emotional spender. And then when push came to shove and I got really pushed up against the wall due to life situation, due to personal decisions, external circumstances, there, then um, I had no other way to go except to get into more debt. My, I couldn't go to my parents and ask for money. They didn't have any, right? They had um, went through a bankruptcy by this point. I couldn't go to... Um, and I was very proud at that point, um, meaning I, I didn't like people knowing my situation. And so I didn't go to my brothers who were much older than me to say, hey, I'm living off my credit cards. Can you help me out? But they have their own families, right? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel right. And they had gone through their own financial troubles. I didn't feel right to go to them. Um, I depended very much on my boyfriend at the time. Um, uh, you know, he would be, he would pay the rent he would buy our groceries or whatever and we had that kind of arrangement we lived together um and that got became very taxing on our relationship and this is the other part of debt that can be very challenging right if you're in a relationship where somebody is really in debt and the other person isn't or you have different views on money or different experiences with money um and we would have lots of arguments about uh me being dependent on him financially and, um, you know, me feeling weighted down by this debt. And so uh, that definitely created more strife. Sort of looking back then, do you think you would have done 
anything differently or could you have done anything differently earlier on? Um, I mean, no, because I, I don't, I don't think so. And I don't, um, I think I spent a lot of time thinking about that a few years ago, but what happened happened, you know, I couldn't prevent my parents from getting divorced. Yeah. It was actually in the long run, a good thing for them individually. And it was really hard And the way that they did. It was not the most adult way to do it. Mm. Um, you know, but I don't know, there are not very many divorces that are very amicable. Um, I just don't think that they thought how wide of an impact of how wide of an impact their separation slash divorce would be on our kids because we were all grown up, right? We weren't at home. We were all over 18. Um, but I know they had a sort of a feeling that it would affect me the most because I was still in college. Mm. And, um, and I didn't No, I, I mean, I didn't anticipate it affecting my relationships the way that it did. Um, emotionally, psychologically, that sort of thing. But uh, I'm, I'm a believer that from our greatest wounds come our greatest gifts. And, and so it's taught me uh, a lot about who I want to be in a partnership and relationship with, and who, you know, the things not to do, right? <laughs> like, I'm not a gambler, for example. That's not where I spend my money. Um, in, in that, in those kinds of extremes, all the way to um, keeping the things that were good about what happened, which were, you know, my mom, even in spite of all of that, she was able to come out of bankruptcy, et cetera, and build back her credit up and all that sort of thing. Um, like, my parents are still pretty resilient people and I know like, oh, I come, I'm resilient too. And I, I know what it's like to be at the bottom where you are just scraping by with $5 in your pocket thinking like, okay, I'm going to buy myself this kind of food and hope that I can make it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I know what it's like to get out of that. And so I, I don't think I would like go back and, and um, erase all of it. It's contributed to how I think about things today. Yeah, so at 19,000 top, what could have possibly happened where you were able, able to make a mental turnaround or a situational turnaround? Yeah, so the 19,000, I mean, that was like, you know, the money count of where my finances were. And then my psyche was <laughs> way even more in the negative at that point. Um, and so I just decided one day I was living in a different place. Right now I live in Austin and this was about seven years ago. And I made a choice um, that I had to change something. And it wasn't necessarily spawned on by like, on by the dead it was um just because i didn't feel well emotionally and i knew like i have to make some sort of change and so i moved um from where i was living to austin and it was a really like 
drastic decision and change for me. I didn't have anything lined up. Um, I moved within the week of deciding I had a, my best friend who lived in Austin and I was, I literally called her one day. I remember being so desperate and just low and, and calling her and saying, Hey, I am going to move to Austin. Can I sleep on your couch until I get back on my feet? And she said, yes. And I packed my moving truck and my motorcycle and my cat and drove to Austin and, um, you know, the cat cried like six hours of those trips, oh, that no. trip. <laughs> but uh, I think I cried probably the other six hours. Um, you know, just one of those emotional, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't really know what I'm going to do when I get there, but I just have to start over. And um, it's so funny, too, because when I arrived in Austin and I unloaded my truck into a storage unit and I delivered the truck to um, the trucking place, and I unloaded my motorcycle to drive home to my friend's house and the motorcycle was dead. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, this is so, this is like a, a perfect, you know, metaphor for <laughs> my life right now. Of course the motorcycle would be dead. Um, so somebody helped me jumpstart it and I, I drove home. Uh, it was my first time driving a motorcycle in a really big city and it kind of scared me, but um, I, I mean, that's all I had, right? I didn't have a car. I purposely didn't buy a car because I didn't want to get into more debt when I bought the motorcycle. And I had been into motorcycles at the time and it's, the motorcycle itself is only $900. The insurance on it was like $30 a month and gas on it was $6 a month. So, um, and I'm not exaggerating, like that's exactly how much it cost. And it, and it, that helped, you know, prevent me from getting even more into debt. Um, so within a couple of weeks of being in Austin, I found a job, um, at a movie theater, cleaning, busing, and, um, I was desperate. It's funny because I have a college degree and all that sort of thing, but I didn't feel like I was in a place where I could work in an environment that required a lot of thinking. <laughs> I, I wanted something that was a very routinized, something that was like, you just show up, you do your job, you go home. I was very numb um, to the world at the time. And so <clears throat> I did really well. I mean, I did well at it. People liked my work. And then I ended up making friends and meeting people. And I got really into uh, photography. So I started my own photography business and started doing uh, event photography and wedding photography and getting to know Austin and getting to know people in Austin. And, and that really helped me branch out. Um, and that was still like a side business, you know, to help with my busing, which turned into a serving job income and um, moved off the friend's couch into an apartment, you know, just slowly. And I had this goal when I moved to Austin of I'm, I want to own a house someday. I want to get out of debt. And so I started thinking about my credit cards again and thinking about paying more than the minimum, paying more than the minimum on student loans. The thing that really changed my mindset, you know, other than like pure <laughs> circumstance and force of will when I moved to Austin, the, the big thing is once I got here, somebody gave me a tape for the book, a CD, you know, audio CD on uh, the book, The Secret. Uh. And um, 
you know, there was, I remember listening to it and thinking like, okay, the law of attraction, like this kind of makes sense, but does it really work? And if, if you don't know the law of attraction, it's like, basically, if you um, think positively about things, um, think what you want in your life, um, and really focus on that, it will show up, you know, the power of intention. And I started practicing it. I remember one day I took a walk and was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to I'm I'm going to try to make $5 show up. Like does this really work? I'm going to try to make $5 show up. And so I'm thinking about $5 all day long, right? And I am walking along the sidewalk and I look down and I see two Starbucks gift cards and um some change. And it's funny, but all together they added to $5. Wow, validation. Yeah, and I remember thinking like, no, this can't be real. And 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 I used this, you know, the gift cards to buy like a coffee or something at Starbucks. And I I remember thinking, okay, I, I don't think it's so much about like I'm gonna find five dollars, but that it's opening up my mind to things that other things, right? Instead of thinking like, oh, I don't have money, I'm so in debt, et cetera, et cetera. Like it just shifted my perspective a little bit. The other thing that that tape did for me, um, the secret is there's a line that just really was profound that said everything you've been thinking, um, everything that's happening to you right now is, is a product of what you've been thinking in your life up to this point. And I remember thinking, oh man, I've, I've always been so afraid of being so deep in debt. I've always been so afraid of 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 being poor, you know, just like I grew up, I've always been so afraid of not having a good relationship, um, just, you know, like my parents, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, oh, well, I, here I am, you know, like out of a relationship, you know, completely in debt and, and really unhappy. Like, no wonder I'm here. Um, wow. So that's interesting. Even you're saying that even the fear of not wanting either that be dead or a bad relationship manifests that fear. Yeah, because basically that's where I was putting my focus on, right? It's like a classic example, don't think of an elephant. Well, what do you think of an elephant, mm -hmm. right? It's like, okay, don't think about getting into debt. Don't think, you know, but it's debt, like um, debt is the focus. And and I and I understand now that you know it's a little a little bit more complicated than that, right? Than than just intention. Like there has to be action to back up the intentions, right? Um, and there there are some external circumstances you cannot control. I couldn't control the crash of two thousand eight, obviously, um, and my parents' house was part of that crash, right? Mm -hmm. Them losing their house. Um, and so I, I think even though you have maybe these external circumstances happening to you, uh, I think it's important to acknowledge that they're happening, um, but also to recognize that there are things that you still have or you still want that you can be grateful for, things that you can still focus on that isn't that. Um, and I think that was a huge turning point for me at that point that's amazing could we pause there for a second so mm -hmm. we're just getting off of your feet but there were still a lot of 
hardships that you had to deal with. Yes. How did you actually apply the laws of attraction and whatnot to your life at that moment? What were you actually thinking and what were you trying to manifest? Uh, I was trying to manifest a good relationship, first and foremost, a healthy relationship. And then I was trying to manifest um, just happiness, you know, and happiness to me meant a few things. It's actually something I I wrote a long time ago when I was a teenager. I still have a piece of paper. It's like, when I grow up, I want to be debt-free. I literally put that on that paper. Uh, I didn't even have debt at the time, and I wanted that. I want to be happy. Um, I want to graduate from college and a few other things. And um, I think for me, with the law of attraction, is like I just I want to be in a healthy, stable place because I hadn't been for a long time. Um, and then in terms of how I started practicing it, uh, so I, you know, after the $5 test, I started doing that every day. Like I want to find, uh, like I, I remember I want to find a good relationship. And so I started meeting people that were a lot different than I had previously dated. And, and that was helpful. Um, I did, it's funny. I did start to go into like, uh, uh, I want to win the lottery, you know, like, can it go to that extreme? So I would, I bought a scratch ticket, right? Like, a, <laughs> and I won like $2, which was like the cost of the ticket, right? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I won. <laughs> and so I went and I got another one, like, I want to win the lottery. And then it was like, I, you know, it's, I didn't win anything. I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> it can't be random. And I can't be like, I think it can't be without basis, right? Okay. Um, so, um, it's after I met, actually, um, it was during that time that I met my now husband. A Whole Foods flagship store is in Austin, and it's a huge store. It's downtown. At the time, I was practicing um, this idea of, I want to find a healthy relationship. And I, um, as part of that, I had started complimenting people randomly um, because I thought it was, I think it, and it, I still do, it's a great way to kind of get outside of your head mm-hmm. and then to be appreciative of what's in the world. Um, so, Anything from like complimenting somebody's, you know, pet, like, oh, I love your dog. He's so cute to, um, I love your hat, you know, that sort of thing. And I would do that every day. I was very methodical about that. Um, The other thing I was very methodical about was uh, loving kindness meditation and just wishing people well, like in my head as I was at work or driving, I would tell people in my random strangers in my head, like, I wish you happiness and I wish you peace and I wish you love. And I would do this every, I did it every day for um, the first few months that I lived here in town. And one day I was at Whole Foods uh, getting a taco for breakfast and 
um, I was in these like food court area and I see a guy with long hair and he's dressed up and he's, he's really cute. And <laughs> I go up to him and I, and I say, I, I think you're the most handsome man I've ever seen. And what? yeah, and he just looked at me and smiled in this kind of embarrassed, you know, smile. And he didn't say anything. He kind of laughed and I walked off uh, because I totally meant it as a compliment and to go eat my taco somewhere. Um, and he just, you know, he did, he never said anything. And, and, and I was sitting at this window eating my taco and I, I did kind of keep an eye on him. Like, you know, where would he go? What, what was he doing? <laughs> and he went, he went, um, he went to his car, which I could see from the window and he put his stuff in the, in the car and he was about to get in and I saw the hesitation. Um, he closed the door instead and came back into the store and he found me and he was, he was like, you know, who are you? Like, <laughs> what kind of person would do that? Um, and we started talking and it turns out, you know, I was really into photography. He was really into portrait art and, um, we had a lot of things that in common and we just chatted and chatted. He was on his way to work. So, uh, actually asked to him for a ride <laughs> to to a camera store I needed to go to and um and then the next day you know we exchanged numbers and we met for lunch the next day and uh we really hit it off then he though tells me when I showed up on my motorcycle he was uh, a little bit intimidated <laughs> um but then he found out you know okay she's not like that intimidating <laughs> but uh um Afterwards, we went out, uh, you know, we had met up a couple of times. And one of the times we, we went out to see a movie and, and we had dinner. And it was during that dinner where it came up in conversation that I had been reading The Secret. And he had been practicing a lot of Tony Robbins' work. And Tony Robbins is a life coach um, who also talks about, like, you know, in the power of intention and and that sort of thing. And that's when I realized, like, well, this person is on the same wavelength that I am, and we are trying to achieve very similar things in life. And, you know, we started going on dates and seeing each other, and eventually uh, we, we, you know, started dating seriously. About six months later into our serious dating, um, he told me that he had actually written a list of things that he wanted in a person that he was looking for in, in, in the person of, of his dreams, so to speak. And I asked him, I was like, what is this list? I show me the list and he had written it on his phone. Um, and he pulled up the list and he hadn't taken a look at it, uh, at all since we'd met. And we went through the list together and it was funny how accurate some things were like, he wanted somebody with brown hair, you know, I have brown hair. Um, no tattoos. I don't have tattoos. You know, superficial things. But the one thing that really stood out was this word sophistication. And and I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'd like to think that I'm sophisticated. But it's funny because the word was misspelled sophisticated. And, and it was spelled in the way that I spell my name, not in the way that you spell sophistication. And he had misspelled it and the, the phone had obviously not autocorrected. And I realized I pointed it out to him like, do you realize that that you did this? And he looked at it and he was no. And we both just kind of were like, whoa, this is weird. 
Um, and I think it's one of those like, you know, strange coincidence, coincidences um, slash maybe it was the power of intention that, that kind of led us to each other. At least we like to think that. But what courage to walk up to a random stranger and hold. So yeah, it's better than the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I felt like you didn't win the lottery. It's funny because five years to the day of of meeting at Whole Foods, uh, we got married, and and a few about six months later, we had our our daughter, oh. and and it has it in this relationship that we've. Um, worked really hard at at um, you know staying on the same page, um, and it turns out there was a lot of things that we were on the same page of that we didn't have to work hard at all, right? Um, but the things that were hard, uh, like being for me at least emotionally stable, um, he really helped me through them and showed me a different way of managing my emotions, um, and showed me a different way of of being, you know, and he was really a great inspiration and continues to be a great inspiration uh, slash partner um, to get out of debt. He, uh, he had some debt at the time also, and, and we kept our finances separate um, until we got married. We, even though we lived together for five years or four years before we got married and, and all of that sort of thing, we kept everything pretty separate. And and um, because I wanted to establish my financial independence and get myself on my way to financial independence, I knew that like, okay, if I could come across this really great relationship and be with a person who's on the exact same page I, I'm on, but not only on the same page, but wants to go in the same direction, then I know that we can work on this together and I can be in a emotionally safe space to work on this right and um one thing i have to point out is kevin my husband is the one who he is the one who um pointed out a book to me uh called smart couples finish rich mm -hmm. uh, one day <laughs> this was i think about two maybe a year and a half into our relationship um and he bought it for me. Like he was like, "Here, I think we should get this book. I think I think it has a lot of good points that you should look at." And um, and it was great because it wasn't just like a like you have money problems, you need to figure them out, right? Which I had had in in, in uh, previous relationships. <laughs> um, but it was like a, I understand you're struggling with this. I think there's some good points in this, but also notice the title, like smart couples, right? Like we could do this together. Mm -hmm. um, I think there was that. The other thing, uh, I would have never put, picked that book out for myself because the title is super kitschy. Um, you know, it had like two people on the beach somewhere, like, you know, obviously having the time of their lives in their, in their uh, financial independence, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, but Kevin is much more open to that kind of, those kinds of products. Um, he's into marketing actually. And he just, he loves watching infomercials and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and 
he, you know, by him pointing this book out, I, you know, one, it prompted me like, well, you know, I'll, I'll take a look at it, I'll read it. And as I, I started to read this book, you know, there were some things that were familiar, you know, save for retirement, have an emergency savings fund, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing that I had never come across in any kind of financial self-help book, even the financial self, uh, financial classes I had, I took in college, um, was this idea of aligning your values about money with your goals mm. about money. I'd never seen that anywhere else. And it had really easy to do, um, uh, what are they called? Like, not worksheets, but uh, like little questionnaires that you could go through to help you hone in on what your values are. And it really dawned on me like, wow, I, I've lived this long, right? A quarter of my life and I don't know what I stand for. <laughs> um, and I've never said them out loud. I've never written it down. And so I started to write down, okay, these are my values. Now, what money goals do I have? And how do I align those up with my values? Which would, you know, the idea is if you align your goals up with your values, your goals are much more likely to be achieved. That's super powerful. Uh, Winnie, one of our thought pillars is that money is a tool, not a goal. Yeah, that's a really great uh, way to think about it. And uh, yeah, ultimately you start to think of, of things that you would like to achieve in your life, right? And, and how money isn't the, the end goal of that, but rather like experiences or um, partnerships or ways to help the world and money can be used as a tool to to achieve those things super so i think once after reading that book i i actually put that those ideas into practice and um I started to see one of my greatest values is giving. And so I have to be very careful about how I use my money when it comes to giving. Mm. I tend to be um, a person who gives gifts and that sort of thing. And in the past, when I was very irresponsible with money, I would give even though I didn't have, right? When mm. I was in all, you know, a lot of debt, I would, um, I would give people like, you know, not extravagant, but still pretty like nice gifts for birthdays or Christmas and just put it on my card. And um, that was something that I had to change, right? Like, okay, I, I care about giving, but how could I give in different ways that that isn't getting me more into debt, right? You know, could I bake something for somebody or make something as opposed to going out and buying a $100, you know, massage for someone? Um, I think that that helped switch that part. And then the other part that the book helped was categorizing finances. So creating specific um, folders on your computer for different things. So like all of your student loan you know, information goes here. All of your bank information goes here. All of your retirement information goes here. So you know you have one folder where everything is at and then it's subcategorized. Mm -hmm. and that helped me see just how much like, oh, I'm actually looking at the numbers. I have five credit cards, right? I have two lines of credit. Um, 
And it, it helped me visualize in a way as opposed to just kind of, you know, receiving statements and being like, oh, that's just going in some random folder. Um, so those two things were huge uh, in, in getting me started on this path of like, I really, really want to try hard to get out of debt. And at this point, I had about 30000 in debt because I had gotten rid of the motorcycle and, and broke down and got a car because Austin summers are so hot and unbearable on a motorcycle. Um, and I was really determined to to get rid of, um, you know, that loan, but also to work on the credit card loans and get into a stable um, working situation where I'd have, you know, predictable money coming in. So I ended up getting a desk job that had, you know, a paycheck every two weeks and using that money to be like, okay, I'm setting aside this amount of money to pay off my debt. So that's one action that you took going from, in a sense, being a freelancer to being a freelancer with your photography to mm -hmm. a job. Were there... yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No. I think that that was a really difficult step for me and if for anybody who has ever had a taste of freelancing, right, after working a nine-to-five. Um, you, I, I had a hard time giving up that independence and that flex, flexibility and freedom to go and, and work on somebody else's time clock. Like that really bothered me, but I also realized what the greater good was. Um, I had a very specific goal I needed to meet. And it's not to say that I just got some random job that I hated. I actually got a job that for something I really cared about um, and a job where I knew I could help people because, again, my value is giving, right? and a job that was going to be fulfilling. And so I ended up becoming a career counselor. Wow. And yeah, it was really interesting. And, and it was in career counseling. So, you know, I'd help people with their resumes and, and um, I'd had all sorts of different jobs by this point. So I could, it was really easy to relate to people and, and it was easy to relate to people right when they were unemployed um, and frustrated and down in the dumps and all that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. um, so, I was able to help a lot of people get back on their feet, which was great. Um, I think very cathartic for me. The one thing I learned in that we had a lot of training because a lot of people who came to us were also in very dire financial straits. You know, some people were about to lose their house. Some people were, you know, living out of their cars. And so we had financial training, like financial education training. And it was in one of those financial boot camps that I learned about um, from somebody who who had already been practicing this, this like um, separating, how do I say this, like funneling your paycheck into different accounts mm -hmm. in order to um, pay for certain things. So, for example, uh, you have an account that's just for for going out to eat. You have an account that is just for paying your bills. You have an account that is just for uh, paying your rent or your mortgage. Um, and, and you have an account that's just for saving. And I, I started to implement this because it had always been so hard for me to save money. Yes, I was paying more on my credit cards, but I wasn't um, saving anything. 
And so you were implementing this, was it where you actually had different bank accounts or was it more a folder that you were keeping track of the money? No, it was different bank accounts. Um, it can get a little out of hand, but if you <laughs> keep it pretty simple, um, one, so I had already had different bank accounts, right? Because I had been in different places and moved a lot. And so I had different bank accounts open, but some accounts I wasn't using, right? It's like one cent in there. <clears throat> um, the kind of accounts that don't charge anything for having no money in them. Right. And, um, and I, I did it that way because, you know, in the past, like, as you know, I was using, you know, credit cards to buy. I kind of reverted, you know, uh, sorry, in the past, during the emotional spending, I was really good at spending, like, using credit cards to buy food and stuff like that. So I had to reteach myself not to use, you know, this is the card that I use to buy food in order to rack up points. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't use my credit cards at all during this point. It was all only bank accounts. And the bank accounts, what I did is I, when you first start a job or you can go to HR at any point and you fill out that sheet, right, that says, you know, how, what percentage of your money, of your check, do you want to go into your checking? And you usually put 100% because where else do you want the other to go? Okay. Um, but so what I did is, and I, I said, no, I want 85% to go to this checking account and I want 15% to go to this savings account. And smart. so I went, I parsed it from first. that. Go ahead. That's really smart. So paying yourself first, even before it hits your spending. Account. Yes, exactly. And this was the, it's kind of like having a 401k, right? Like you don't see that money. It's already like taken out by the time you get your check in your hand, your, your usable check. And so if you do that, then it's, it, it works the same way. The, the thing obviously you have to be disciplined about is now that 15% that's in the, in the savings, I can't touch. Um, and I purposely used a bank that was not, that's an online bank so that I couldn't easily go to, you know, any ATM without racking up a fee or whatever to get money out. Mm -hmm. the, the thing about this savings account is that um, within this bank account, so the 15% was then parsed down to, was cut in half, you know, half goes into a savings that I do not touch and half is my food money. And I did this because I knew I was eating out a lot and um, eating out could get out of hand. Mm -hmm. And so if I gave myself, you know, $80 a month to eat out, that's what I would use. And I have a specific card that I use only when I eat out. And when it's done for the month, it is done until I get paid again. Um, and this really helped prevent me from using my credit cards when I ran out of, you know, regular money, right? <laughs> to use for food or having a nice time out or happy hour or whatever. Um, of course, I also slashed all of my credit cards too. <laughs> what I find really impressive is when you go into a bad situation and you come to your breaking point, you have the tenacity and the courage to just do a 180 and take the action to make change which isn't it isn't easy no <laughs> like for example when you were 
at your old city and you were feeling desperate to pack up your bags and move to a different city <laughs> without mm-hmm. anything lined up, um, that's not easy either. <laughs> no, I mean, you leave everything behind, right? Relationships, right, right, partnerships, right. friendships, family. All of my family was there. I, I, I said goodbye to all of it. <laughs> But also the the courage to say, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to take action rather than being stuck in that momentum of inaction. Yes. What's, What's your sort of mental force that helps you overcome that stagnation? Um, I think for me, I I reached the bottom of my barrel. And I don't know if uh, anybody listening has ever been close to the bottom of their barrel. And because, you know, the bottom is, is different for different people, right? Um, some people's bottom is, is, is uh, not having any money in their checking account. Some people's bottom is, is being homeless. Some people's bottom is living out of their car. Some people's bottom is, oh, I have $200 in my checking account. Um, and I think having reached my bottom, not only financially, but emotionally, relationship-wise, um, psychologically, I knew that if I went any lower, I would continue um, to not exist, mm-hmm. if I could say that. Well, I was really at the end of my rope. Um, I, I, I don't want to trigger any of your listeners by saying that, but um, if you know what I mean, I was just really at the point of like, what's what's the point of of living? And I, I think in that moment of starting to think about those things, it's like something. The voice in my head was like, no. No, you can't. You have to continue living because you're here for a reason and you have to keep going. You're meant to do something. I don't know what that something is, but you're meant to do something. Um, and and you have to try. Um, I remember the thought of moving to Austin literally occurred to me at night when I was just like wallowing in, in bed and just like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, and, and I was looking at the ceiling and I was like, huh. I could move to Austin. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I'd been once before and it was a really cool city. And like I said, I had my best friend and, and it was literally that like, I don't know, like I feel almost like this act of mercy from somewhere that just that came out, you know, maybe from deep within myself to say like, hey, that you have options. And don't forget that like there's something bigger outside of uh you know than just what's in your mind um and that i guess you could call it hope or faith or um a promise something like that that uh that meaning right i think everybody wants to live a fulfilled life wants to find certain kind of fulfillment and when you don't life becomes very difficult and I really wanted to find that place of fulfillment. 
And I think that's what kept that. That's what made me make this really drastic change of like enough already. I, I need to do something about this. I find your story so inspirational and thank you so much for taking us on your journey. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I want to share, I mean, there is, you know, there are happy endings <laughs> that, um, that this year, right, the, all of the debt finally got paid off. And <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and uh, it was, um, I will never forget the date, June 8th. June 8th, 2017 was the last day, the day I made my last debt payment to a student loan. And um, it was, it was, uh, it was almost like getting married or graduating uh. from college or something. It was so momentous and, and somehow also anticlimactic in, in the, uh, in, uh, in the like, oh, I just pressed the button, you know, <laughs> um, uh, but it was very freeing, right? To be able to open like all of your accounts and be like zero balances and to be able to close those accounts and say like, good riddance, I don't ever want to see this again. Um, How do and, you, you know, to that? also see your credit score go higher. I can, I can only imagine how, how do you feel now being debt free? Um, I definitely feel a weight lifted off my shoulders. I feel more flexible. I feel I have the freedom to to choose, you know, what I want to do with my money, right? Like without thinking like, oh, is that going to get me into debt? Um, we also have other accounts in place, you know, an emergency savings account, et cetera. Um, we also have a lot of future thinking kinds of accounts, retirement accounts, whole life insurance, term life insurance, rental insurance, you know, all of that kind of stuff in place because I know from experience, from what my parents went through, what family members went through and what I've gone through that like things can be really, you know, if a devastating thing were to happen, which, you know, of course you never want to happen, but if it does happen, then you also want to make sure that you are taken care of that way. Mm. And because those are the situations that get, that can easily put you back into debt, right? right. Um, you're, God forbid a fire happens and you lose everything in your apartment. Now you have to, you know, buy everything again and you have no money to do that. So you put it on a credit card, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think having those things in place, I was very methodical over the years of making sure to have those um, purchased, meaning like different kinds of insurances and to have savings funds like emergency funds in place for that. I love the fact that you're going beyond just getting out of debt to preventing both of you to getting back into the situation. I think this is an awesome time to ask our final question that we always ask. Mm -hmm. So Winnie means you win, we win, we win to win to Winnie. Mm -hmm. To you, what does it mean to be winning in life? Being fulfilled. Um, and it's funny because it's not to say that you can't be fulfilled uh, if you have debt because you totally can. <laughs> but um, I think to be able to move freely 
uh, within that fulfillment and to be able to have the room like if you're not fulfilled and to be able to find find fulfillment and have the room to find that without being backed up against the wall or into a corner because of finances um, or an external situation that causes a financial situation. I think winning means being happy with where you're at with what you have. And by that, I mean like being grateful. You know, it's not, I wasn't happy about having $30,000 of debt. Um, but even when I had that, um, there were moments of being able to be grateful for the things that I did have regardless, right? I have my health, I have my love of my husband, I have my family, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's also important to remember in this whole process is, is um, there's so much abundance in life. And I know debt is like the opposite of abundance. Mm. Um, but to remember that even though you have debt, you, you still have so many other things. Mm. Um, and you, if you have debt and you have money coming in from a job or or anything else, um, to be really mindful of the money that you do have coming in and really focusing on, um, I, you know, I'm grateful for the things that I do have. I'm thankful for the abundance in my life. I think that's very important. Well, I'm super grateful for the opportunity to hear your experience. It's been it's been amazing. Thank you, Sophia. You're welcome. I'm happy to share it. So for our listeners who may be interested in getting in touch with you for your new launch, do you have yeah. a website or a contact information that you might share? Yeah, so um, we are launching in Austin. So if you're a pregnant mom, um, and you are interested in self-care uh, and what it means to take care of yourself while you're pregnant, um, you can email me at Sophia, that's S-O-F-I-A dot Salazar, S-A-L-A-Z-A-R at gmail.com. And I can send you the information about the launch date. We're doing a telesummit first with um, five to six different experts who will speak on self-care and pregnancy from nutrition to exercise to uh, mental health. And so we would love um, to share that with as many people as possible. Thank you. You're welcome. And that's a wrap. Yay. Boom. Boom.